Welcome, I'm Doug Morgan, and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. I was listening to someone talk to me recently about a church that they used to attend. They left it because it had become more of a club than it was a church. What was being preached and demonstrated from the pulpit really had very little to do with Christ and much more to do with the pastor and his family, to be honest. Their decision actually was confirmed to be the right one by the actions of the church after they left. Things things that were said and done as a, as a reaction to their leaving was just simply completely unbiblical and wrong. This is not the only story, though, that I have had to listen to like this. I've had many conversations with different people and why they have left their church. And the one thing that becomes very clear almost, almost every time I talk to someone about this subject, and it is that many churches, yes, many churches are trying to attract and keep people coming to their church without God. <laughs> I know I know that sounds a little bit weird, but let me explain. There, there seems to be two kinds of directions that churches go when they start to see reduced attendance. Number one, they, they look to the past and, and they get entrenched in Christian ease and, and religious practices. It's, it's kind of one of those things where they, they say, well, let's go back to, to where our church was full and, and where I remember the, you know, the, the, the good old days type of thing, right? And, and they, they, they speak a, a Christian ease, a, a language that, that really only Christians speak. And they, because because they, they use all these words that you never hear outside the church walls. And, and they get very religious. They get almost, almost a works-based type of, of uh, salvation. Or they kind of go the other direction. They try to be so relevant and, and so progressive that they exchange a relationship with God to, to chase after this thing they call love. Now, now I, found, I found two articles and actually a, a few others as well I'm going to throw in here that illustrate this point. The first is from John Pavlovich. Now, he has his own uh, website, uh, and, and it's this this particular article that he wrote here is entitled "Conservative Cringianity." <laughs> so he's trying to get funny here. Uh, CPAC is a a microcosm of American conservative heresy. He says. If you want to see a U.S. representative, uh, state representative, engaging in performance religiosity in a fake jail cell while kneeling in um, pandemonium prayer at the feet of of an admitted insurrectionist pretending to be a martyr, you can go there and do that. Now, Now, what he's referring to is a representative... Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, going to the jail cell of some of the arrests, arrested um, individuals for their participation in the January 6th riot, and, and, and she prayed for them right there uh, within their cell. 
Obviously, he thinks that that's really bad. <laughs> now, while while there, you'll see an endless parade, he says, of self-flatulating white evangelical ministers uh, advertising their defiance of non-existent oppression, a sea of Donald Trump as Messiah, airbrushed uh, articulates um, (laughs) slapped on bellies of bumpers. (laughs) You know, who knows half of what he's saying here, but, but he goes on, he says, and a small army of snarling and flexing God and guns, supermarket soldiers who regularly pack heat at the Piggly Wiggly open carrying Bibles they've never read. So, I mean, this guy, this is from a guy who claims that we are not to judge others and only act in love toward them. I don't see a lot of that here. I mean, he's obviously just attacking anyone who doesn't agree with him when it comes to his politics. What you won't see there at CPAC, what he says here, are any actual followers of Jesus, and least not the one from the Bible. You won't find his compassionate heart for the poor and the vulnerable, his expansive embrace of desperate humanity, or his sacrificial love for those who are hurting at CPAC, nor will you find any of these things in this GOP or at Trump rallies or in right-wing evangelical churches. (laughs) Again, you can hear the love just oozing from this guy, can't you? (laughs) I mean, there is no need to dispute his claims here since they are so far from the truth that anybody can see how far off base he is. I mean, that is patently ridiculous, the stuff that he's talking about here. To say that, you know, that the Republican Party and and right-wing evangelical churches, you know, and Trump rallies are are where, you know, you're just going to find hate and and people that that, uh, hate poor people and the vulnerable and things like this, right? I mean, have you ever found anyone? I mean, I don't care if they're Republican or Democrat or conservative or or leftist liberal. It doesn't matter. Have you found anyone who who hates desperate humanity or the vulnerable or or the poor? Do you, do, do you have you found anybody like that? I haven't myself, but I go on. He says the only thing decent people of faith will find in conservative religion is embarrassment. <laughs> So, so if you're, if you're conservative and you're a Christian, well, you should be embarrassed. I mean, that's, that, that's the only thing you're going to find in conservative Christianity is embarrassment. I'm not, I'm not sure what we're supposed to be embarrassed of. He doesn't really say here, but you know, it is what it is here, right? Human beings, he continues, earnestly seeking a meaningful and redemptive expression of empathy in the life and the teachings of Jesus, want no part in his heretical predatory performance art. They want nothing to do with fear-mongering culture wars, 
on same-sex couples and women's rights and public education or the overt racism of a white nationalism that would have been openly hostile to the biblical Jesus. <laughs> Man, this guy, I mean, I mean, basically what he's saying here is homosexuality, uh, treating both sexes with respect, and looking out for edu- the education of all children, and even taking taking pride in God's given gift that is this country, is now considered hostile and unbiblical. <laughs> I mean, I mean, what? And and why? Why is this all unbiblical? Why? Because it is contrary to this guy's political theology. Anything that he doesn't agree with, anything that he doesn't think should be in the Bible or or should be part of his his political ideology, well, you know what? That kind of stuff is just hostile and unbiblical. But who's the one that's hostile in these areas? Who's the, who's the one? I mean, I don't I don't see very many Christians being hostile in this area. Uh, unbiblical? You'd have to show me. He goes on and he says, they find it so cringeworthy that they are reluctantly leaving the faith tradition of their past and departing local churches. So as not to be mistaken for their precise kinds of oh, clarions and frauds, Jesus spent his entire life warning people not to become. <laughs> so, so, I mean, he says that that... Yet, obviously, he has become this very thing himself. Let's just put it that way. I mean, he's talking about not becoming a Pharisee, and yet, isn't that exactly what he's become here? I mean, it's it's very obvious by his words. And he continues, actual seekers of a spiritual path that calls upon their better angels and leans toward the common good are embarrassed by Marjorie Taylor Greene and her party's incessant mockery of genuine spirituality that aspires to love one's neighbor and to do no harm. <laughs> now, there's so much in that paragraph. I mean, we could almost do an entire podcast on that paragraph alone. But let's just say that it would be really interesting to hear this guy's definition of love. Because it's, he's not talking about the Jesus Christ I know. And he's not talking about love as I have known it defined. It would be interesting to see what his definition of that is. But he does continue and he says, Conservative evangelicals are not the last faithful remnant of Christ's church standing firm on the gospel in a godless world that they, they claim to be. They are actively, violently, there's violently again, and almost single-handedly triggering the exodus. Oh, it's our fault, people leaving church. Their shameless religious whoring and their loveless predatory theocracy is something people of goodness simply cannot abide any longer. Wow. Wow. So violently whoring a loveless predatory theocracy. Huh? So so that is what is wrong with the church today? That that the white evangelicals, you got to throw white in there, right? Cuz you can't be an evangelical if you're not white. Or if you're if, if you're an evangelical and you're not white, well maybe you're okay. 
then you're not violent and you're not whoring and you're not loveless and you're not a predatory theocracy buff, right? (laughs) I don't know. He continues, as someone who was raised in the Christian tradition, who has spent more than two decades serving as a pastor in the local church and who is still working out a working relation, uh, religion with fear and trembling, I am gradually extricating myself from it all. Not because I no longer find great beauty in the teachings of Jesus, but because I find I am finding none of that beauty in his grotesque mockery of him. So, so uh, if you are a conservative, if you're conservative in, in your politics, then you're mocking God? That, this guy makes absolutely no sense. He says, in the coming days and years, the narrative of the MAGA Christians will continue to be what it has been since Donald Trump ascended to his vile, belligerent spirit spray tanned messiah they will talk about people like me and you and about the millions of human beings who have departed from the pews as if we've done this because we have rejected jesus invitation to love god others and ourselves so where is he demonstrating this godly love because i kind of missed it somewhere you might have to point that one out to me he says, but the truth is, we departed it. Uh, yeah, we departed it to escape them, because th- their shameless, wanton, weaponizing of religion was too grievous and cringeworthy to be associated with. Ha! There it is, right there, because the Bible says that we are not to associate with those we disagree with. Right. That's what he's saying here, that they they can't they can't associate with us because we're too vile and and shameless and we weaponize and we're we're, we're grievous and cringeworthy even ooh even cringeworthy. He says we're not ashamed of Jesus, mega church. We're embarrassed of you. <laughs> Again, just the love that spews forth from this guy. But he is an example of what I'm talking about. So, so this, this example of the progressive church and, and what is wrong with it is, is on full display right, now, right here. It is not about God at all. It is a pursuit of the ideal of love, but only the love of those that you agree with, of course. But there is, there is a nugget of truth. I will give him that. There is a nugget of truth in what the progressive church doesn't like about some of the more established churches. A church that relies on works rather than relationship with Christ. We need more churches that are less about themselves and hiding from the world and more about a very real relationship with a living God. Trevin Wax of the gospelcoalition.org says one of the oldest monasteries in the in the world is St. Catherine's built by an emperor Justinian to protect the monks in the re- in the region. Saint Catherine sits at the foot of Mount Sinai in Egypt. The walls are made of granite and are between eight and thirty-five meters tall. Up until last century, 
there was only one way into the monastery, a tiny door more than 30 feet from the ground. People entered the monastery through a system of pulleys and ropes. The monastery itself contains ancient icons and many treasures, but up until recently, it was largely inaccessible to the outside world. Our churches naturally drift toward becoming like St. Catherine's Monastery, a fortified, doorless organization that focuses upon its own preservation rather than its specific mission. Our hearts drift toward tribalism. The tendency to gather with people just like us and to reflect our ourselves rather than the, you know, the, the missionary heart of God. We always put up mirrors around the light of the gospel when we should be putting up windows. So he goes into in, into the, the kingdom colony or the country club. The, the, the church is intended to be a, a colony of heaven, living according to the gospel and, and its announcement. But too often we turn the kingdom colony into a country club. Our focus becomes the, the comfort and preservation of our tribe rather than the mission that accompanies the, the gospel announcement. It's almost like a battleship or a cruise ship. I've heard it said that that people of God either have a mentality of a battleship or or a cruise ship. Both may sail, but they have very different purposes, right? The battleship exists for others. It is on a rescue mission set to penetrate the enemy's territory and to do battle for the commander. The cruise ship exists for the comfort of its passengers. Luxury and comfort are the core values of it, and everyone seeks to make the journey comfortable and and memorable. When we adopt a cruise ship mentality, the the cross and the resurrection of Christ is reduced to a a message of personal comfort. The core value of our worship services is, is to be memorable and entertaining. Our theological debates become about upholding doctrine for doctrine's sake rather than seeking theological reflection as an aid to fulfilling our mission. Instead of, of seeing our, our gatherings as a base from which individual Christians scatter into the world as salt and light, we wall ourselves off from the outside world and, and neglect the, the prophetic nature of our gospel announcement. Uh, so uh, Tullian uh, Chivaganian, I, I believe is how you pronounce his last name. It's it's definitely one of those that you can slaughter real easy. But he explained the difference between a missional and a tribal people. That the highest value of a of a community with a tribal mindset is self preservation. A tribal community exists solely for itself, and those within it keep asking, "How can we protect ourselves from those that are different from us?" A tribal mindset is marked by an unbalanced patriotism. It it typically evaluates personal and cultural preferences to absolute principles. If everybody were more like us, this world would be a better place. Again, you see a lot of that when it comes to the progressive church. But in a missional-minded community, the highest value isn't self-preservation, but self-sacrifice. A missional community exists not primarily for itself, but for others. It's a community that's willing to be the, 
inconvenienced or uh, discomforted uh, while you know willing to e- expend itself for others on God's behalf. So what should a healthy church look like? I mean, that's the question here, right? A girl got pregnant. She was scared. Her parents thought her boyfriend was the father, but the baby wasn't his. He loved her, so he offered to raise a child with her. One evening, her water broke. There wasn't time to get help. He delivered the child and lay him in a manger. Ed Stelzer of churchleaders.com says, no, what you just heard, this is not from a new reality show or a, a new documentary series on Netflix. Instead, it is from a video ad produced by an outreach campaign called He Gets Us. Since it was posted on November 29th of last year, the video has surpassed 5 million views on YouTube alone. It is a unique approach to say the least, I, I mean, it definitely is, is a little bit different, right? Other content produced by He Gets Us contains statements such as Jesus suffered anxiety too. And if you're ever, ever had a, had relationship problems, you're in good company. Jesus did too. <laughs> Things like this. And statements like these can make some Christians uneasy or even upset. They seem to be extraordinarily impactful to those who are skeptical but curious about Jesus. Approaches to connect with the unchurched may actually offend Christians sometimes. But here's the thing. Sometimes the best approach to connect with non-Christians will make some Christians uneasy. Why is it the case? Because approaches like the one that you just heard, well, it breaks the mold. And, and, and of what most Christians think of when they, they think of evangelism, it's not necessarily this. In fact, the term evangelism sometimes has a negative connotation because it conjures up images of, of people that are so focused on, maybe we can say the truth of the gospel, that they don't emphasize with the hearers of the gospel. When some think of, of personal evangelism, they may picture a Christian talking to someone they, they don't really know, presenting Jesus to them, or briefly you know, just maybe as briefly as possible, and, and with great urgency, uh, the the immediately asking them to make a decision right after they've, you know, said something about Jesus. And they've, they've done their parts if that person responds. Um, you know, thankfully some will, but, but you know, they, they, they just, it's more about them than it is about the person they're talking to. And if the person doesn't respond immediately, they just simply move on. That's it, right? They've done their part. This approach that that savors strongly of of closing a deal isn't the pattern of sharing faith that we see in in the New Testament. Still, many who talk about Jesus with others are are driven more by the truth than 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 tell that you know telling of the love and and listening to that individual person. And and, and don't get me wrong; there's a place for telling truth. Definitely a place for that. But a lot of it is in how you do that. But when communicating with, you know, uh, components of, 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 a, of a message, certain things become more important than, than how, how, we, how we share. We, we've lost sight of the good news 
of Jesus' life and, and ultimate death and and really a death for all humanity. It's true that if you invite people to meet Jesus frequently enough, you will see some people come to Christ. I, I'm all for that, sharing Jesus' story broadly and in many ways. There's, there's not just one way of doing it. But I also think that helping people having conversations about Jesus can ultimately lead to productive conversations. Uh, discussions are are almost always good. Communication is a good thing. And, and that helps us see that we need more than one approach to things. Uh, when, when you focus on, emph- on emphasizing with and, and hearing the stories of those who are skeptical about Jesus, some Christians will, will be offended. You aren't standing for truth, they'll say, by by giving them the whole story of, of Jesus' life and death and resurrection. And I get it. I, I understand that. Again, there's a place for, for truth. Yet on the other hand, if you focus solely on getting out a full presentation, uh, non-Christians can end up feeling treated like another potential notch in a belt of truth, right? And they may feel, you know, it's it's safer to turn away from the the beautiful love story of the Bible instead of drawing closer. In, in, in only just standing for the truth, Christians can be seen as having a lack of genuine interest in people and the reality of their life circumstances. But, but you know, we, we, we see all kinds of different research that shows that when we literally form relationships, it can be much more effective. He gets us is is uh, is starting conversations about Jesus. The best way to share the story of Jesus is, is one that well will will help someone in, engage. We want people to want to talk about Jesus, knowing that most don't. And and one way is to help people find common ground in his life and, and ministry. Sharing the love of God can be done in a variety of different ways, but you know. The, the, the key is how do we do it? When this, when this, this law guides us as, as Christians to share the good news of, of Jesus with others, we will approach people as, as friends. We genuinely desire to know rather than receptacles of information that we desire to impart. It's, it's kind of like the, the teacher type of thing that the, the old way of teaching was, yeah, I'm just going to dispense what I, what I have in knowledge in my brain. And if the you know students get it, then they get it. If they don't, they don't. It's not my fault. I've dispensed it. But that's not really teaching now, is it? Teaching is making sure that your students learn. And so you have to do it in a way that they understand and they can grasp what and the concept of what you're teaching and that type of thing. But be forewarned. When you, when you dare to lead with love and show patience with people, as they you know, consider the life-altering implications of Jesus' life and teachings, you're likely to unnerve some Christians. I mean, you can, you can be accused of being soft on truth or lacking urgency, and, and you just might be offensive to some believers in your you know, dire, dire to be gracious to those that are, that are skeptical. But that is precisely the risk Jesus calls us to do, and, and one that he modeled himself after. You can read that in Luke 7.34. There's a number of different ways and ideas and practical um, type of things that you can do. You, you can start community groups. Uh, you, you can have them in your home. 
you can build relationships that way. You can spend time with people uh, at your work or where you, um, you know, study or, or um, you know, even even where you shop and things like this. Um, you can build relationships there. You, you can do that type of thing in your hobbies as well, where you play. Uh, if you, if you are involved with a certain type of thing, well, I don't know, fly fishing or whatever you, you can, those, those type of communities, uh, you can build relationships there. And as you do so, they're going to see the Jesus in you and they're going to be able to, to, at least hopefully, right? I mean, that's, that's what we're hoping they see. And in your conversations, you, you anchor the values that Jesus's life represents. Uh, you've, You've been on the, the the journey yourself, and so you can you can communicate that with them. You know, meeting and discovering Jesus for who He really is is what you've done, and you can you can let them know this is this is how it affected you. As as you interact with 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 others, you see yourself as a almost like a translator of the values of the teachings that Jesus embodied. If if a friend is surprised by you know how how well you you tip, for example. You, know, you could share that the generosity that, that flows from you is it, it's not really necessarily from you. It's it's from Jesus and the way that He lived and ultimately died for others. And if if some someone you know tells you that that you have anxiety, you might share the story of Jesus, who at one point in his ministry became so anxious that his sweat was like drops of blood falling on the ground. Uh, you can, again, read that in Luke twenty-two forty-four. 44. That, that's a great way for us as Christians to revisit Jesus' life and ministry and, a, and ask ourselves, what did Jesus experience in his life that relates to the challenges that we experience every day? We need to, to think more about whether we are helping people discover Jesus fully and for themselves and less about whether the way that we do it will impress the Christians who are already near him. As for me, I'm willing to risk offending some Christians. And if that means helping more people know and develop for themselves a personal transformative relationship with Jesus, well, then so be it. And, and again, I would love to have this conversation even more with you if, if that uh, would would strike your fancy. <laughs> I would definitely love to ha- have this a, a discussion starter. And of course, you can do that at uncommonsensepodcast.com. Thank you very much for listening.